something that has been an evolution over time. Uh, we began uh, this in endeavor back in 1987, and I'm going to walk you through how we have continued to uh, mature those types of agreements and also the innovative processes that we can work through uh, through the programs that we have available in our private and public partners. Uh, Virginia's rail system from a, from a triple P perspective is what you see on the screen today. Uh, all of the rail lines that you see on the screen are, are very highly involved in triple P's. Um, we work very respectfully with our short line rail operators as well as our two class one carriers in Virginia. Uh, we have uh, Norfolk Southern that uh, represents of our 3,365 miles of railroads in Virginia. 60% of those are Norfolk Southerns, 25% uh, are CSXs, and we have nine short line railroads that represent about 15% of that, uh, of that uh, track mileage as well. Um, Amtrak Intercity Rail Passenger Service operates 10 routes and about a million riders per year uh, in Virginia, as well as the Virginia Railway Express as our commuter rail operator uh, who's experienced uh, historically over time double-digit uh, growth in, in ridership and pulls in about three to three and a half million riders per year on an annual basis. Uh, as I mentioned as I started out this presentation, uh, this has been an evolution over time of uh, both uh, public and private partnerships. Our rail industrial access sidetracks program was codified in 1987 by our General Assembly. Uh, it was a landmark program both nationally and for the Commonwealth of Virginia because Virginia has a constitutional provision that prohibits uh, public funds being spent or extended to full faith and credibility of the, of, the, of the Commonwealth to be extended to private industry or religious institutions. So we've had to work through that as the way we've developed these fundamental partnerships. The rail access program was, was what we call the program that brings rail in the back gate of industrial development properties, while VDOT, our transportation partner, brings highway systems in the front gate of those properties. We went forward as the local rail freight assistance program, which was a federal railroad administration program, began to diminish in the late 1980s. And in 1990-91, the rail preservation program was brought forward to help and assist the continuation of rail service of our short line railroads that we have in Virginia. Typically called the last mile, our rail preservation program provides uh, good and stable economic uh, development opportunities by providing continued rail service in areas where the light density or the low density of freight movements no longer constituted that of a, a class one freight rail operator. Our rail enhancement fund is our most recent fund. As I said earlier, it's been an evolution over time that was created just recently by our General Assembly uh, and provides funding for passenger and freight capital improvements on a public-private partnershiping opportunity initiative. The Rail Enhancement Fund is our first dedicated source of revenue uh, that was uh, set out for passenger and freight rail improvements. Uh, it is not highway funds. Uh, you know, most people say, well, you're just pulling from the gas tax revenues, but we are not. Um, these projects come from another state funding source, as well as their public-private partnerships for freight and passenger rail. They have an annual funding for rail improvements through this program, and it requires the achievement of specific public benefits, which I'll talk about in just a minute. Fund provisions uh, annually, we typically see about $37 million in revenues, um, and that's uh, including $12.9 million in bonds on an annual basis over the next 10 years. Uh, dedicated funding sources is, again, the state rental rail, uh, car tax, as well as addition from the bond revenues that I mentioned, the $12.9 million. It requires a 30% matching fund uh, uh, from, the, from the local uh, uh, businesses, industries, or, or uh, uh, passenger or freight rail operators. And we have a real kicker down there at the bottom, which is something that we've been evolving over time as well since 1987, and that it has to create and establish a public benefit that is equal to or greater than the public uh, investment made in the project. 
Our fund policy goals, uh, it has to be a transportation benefit to the Commonwealth of Virginia. We're leveraging our sources against private infrastructure investment. Uh, we protect Virginia's interest in those private facilities. Remember I talked to you earlier about the uh, constitutional prohibition. We get around that by maintaining a contingent interest ownership through the contract, uh, contract process that we uh, establish and go under agreement with our, with our grantees. It also contributes to the effectiveness of an entire transportation system. If it's not part of the transportation network, uh, then we can have very, very challenged uh, times in meeting the public benefit. And we also set out a goal of 90% of these funds being used for capital investment. Eligible recipients, I pretty well mentioned earlier, uh, and you can see those as well. It's a pretty mixed bag uh, of, of uh, operations, as long as it leads to the enhancement of uh, rail infrastructure in Virginia is, is pretty much fundamentally where we go. Eligible project expenses, I like to say this slide pretty well says anything that you can go out and take a photograph of that's a rail infrastructure is pretty much what we're willing to invest in through this program. Um, typically, it has been uh, used recently for intermodal uh, quarter developments, which I'll talk about the Heartland quarter in just a minute, and also some other opportunities that uh, our colleagues up at the table here may mention as well in their presentations. Minimum policy criteria, you know, we're, we're looking for accelerated investments. Many times over, freight railroads have the opportunity to make investments, but they're a publicly tra traded company with a uh, fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders. What we try to do is accelerate opportunities where the Commonwealth of Virginia can also have a sustainable uh, public benefit that can be established by accelerating those uh, projects through our, our public and private partners. We also look to encourage economic development incentive opportunities. Uh, recently, uh, as part of the Heartland Quarter Initiative and, and our port projects, uh, we've seen uh, private investments from Marisk Sealand coming in under the APM terminals in Portsmouth, Virginia, which led a lot to the justification for us investing in so heavily in our ports over the past two years. We are not purchasing a capital asset. We're purchasing a public benefit with this program. Uh, we establish a baseline of performance and hold the, uh, hold the performance uh, as, as accountable to the grantee. And the grantee will have to enter into an agreement with us that basically says, if you fail to perform over time, you owe us back incrementally whatever that failure to perform, and perform was, and the lack of performance is paid in full back to us, as well as uh, interest on that uh, uh, performance that was not met over time. We look also at our contracting conditions. Cost overruns and risk is assumed by the grantee. Benefit-cost ratio I talked about just a minute ago, as well as our public interest in the facilities is protected. Payments will be made on a reimbursement basis. We are not a credit agency. We're a funding agency, and therefore we reimburse uh, the railroad or the grantee for costs incurred and paid. Uh, we also look for those, the applicant to be responsible for all environmental issues, liability insurance, and construction of the project. Of course, we can handle other special provisions on a project-by-project on a project basis. Um, when I talked a little bit about public investment, uh, we go into uh, uh, a good example here, which is a dual investment. Uh, we, under our public benefit calculation criteria, you can either have a passenger project, a freight project, or both. In the example of the Gainesville Haymarket project, we have an opportunity of both doing a project on Norfolk Southern that has a freight rail benefit and a passenger rail benefit. And when Ms. Mancini speaks a little bit later about the National Quarter Initiative, we also have passenger opportunities on that quarter as well. So this is just kind of to walk you through fundamentally where you can see where we have passengers, rail cars, revenue miles, uh, truck vehicle miles uh, avoided, as well as our, our model calculates over time the number of gallons of fuel saved and passenger travel time savings as well. We also make core assumptions for our public benefit. Uh, we always go for conservative estimates. All figures represent additional growth. 
Uh, they exclude current activity. We also focus on factors that I just went through on the Gainesville Haymarket opportunity, as well as others that we have just added recently to include um, internal rate of return, return on investment, and also induced and uh, direct and indirect uh, employment benefits to projects. Here's a sample for you as to what we also look at in our public benefit model, numbers of cars on highways, maintenance, highway costs averted and maintenance, pollution cost savings we now calculate in tons of uh, carbon dioxide, as well as uh, other emissions. And we also look at f uh, reduced fuel consumption versus driving. You know, obviously, by uh, passenger rail has opportunities of, of greater efficiencies than that of auto travel. Uh, reduced, uh, for freight, we reduce the number of trucks on highways. Uh, that is a highway maintenance cost avoidance, a safety avoidance, pollution costs as well, and uh, reduced fuel consumption, as I mentioned earlier, just like that on passenger rail. Now, getting more specifically into one of our, our, our key projects was the Heartland Quarter Initiative. Uh, this initiative was uh, brought forth by Norfolk Southern. starts at the Port of Virginia, so obviously we had the greatest uh, and, and highest uh, opportunity for economic development and throughput uh, to the uh, gateway to global trade. Uh, and in doing so, the Heartland Quarter Initiative also included, as you see in this little pop-out box, uh, a sealed quarter initiative of about five and a half miles of uh, new development where we're actually constructing a rail line in the median of uh, I-664 and uh, Route 164, the West Norfolk Freeway. Uh, this project alone will uh, eliminate 14 at-grade railroad crossings in that five-and-a-half-mile stretch. So you can imagine what you can do with a seven to 8,000-foot container train coming in when you have crossings that are basically in some places every two to three blocks in the downtown area. Uh, this opportunity for the Heartland Quarter as well uh, cuts 1.5 days off of the travel time. Uh, it includes the clearance of uh, uh, removal of 25, 28 uh, obstructions, four tunnels in Virginia. An intermodal facility will be constructed in Virginia as well as Pritchard and uh, Reichenbacher. Uh, our tunnel clearances in Virginia project will clear the line along the 460 corridor, uh, which is a very congested corridor for us as well. Uh, and our intermodal facility in Roanoke will also uh, assist in the I-81 corridor in truck diversions to rail, as well as uh, an enormous amount of uh, uh, direct, indirect, and induced economic benefit for the region. Uh, rail enhancement funds to date uh, have, have been uh, allocated and, and uh, gone under contract for $22.35 million, and we look at about 150,000 trucks per year to be removed off the road annually. Everything you see here in Goldenrod is basically the, the 28 clearance project, uh, and you can see in purple down at the, at the Portsmouth is our uh, median rail project as well. Um, just another quick shot here just to show the, uh, the quarter. Locations of the facilities will be Roanoke, Pritchard, and Reichenbacher. Uh, one of the key benefits that we found in the economic analysis of the quarter is that the employment, including the intermodal development uh, facility, is uh, 2,900 jobs per year on, on an annual basis as direct and, and induced and indirect employment. We also calculate construction employment as well as a benefit. We're looking at tax revenues for the Roanoke region of about $71 million annually. In the first 15 years of operation, we'll see about 189 million gallons of fuel saved, 1.9 million trucks removed off of Virginia's highways over the 15-year period, and about 700,000 tons of carbon dioxide emissions avoided. Um, our return on investment, as I mentioned, we've just recently added that as well, is over 20%, and we'll see this project pay for itself in the next five years in public benefits. What we'd like to say as well is that, that our rail enhancement fund projects deliver value for the money. Part of the Rail Enhancement Fund program for being created was the fact that we are now challenged in Virginia because we're not building greenfield interstate highway systems anymore. 
Um, FHWA is working with Virginia as well to talk about how we renew our highway systems and make best use of the facilities we have. What we've been able to do at the Department of Rail and Public Transportation is come forward with a strategy that addresses quarter development as transportation quarters develop, not those just of interstate highway systems and not those just of rail systems, but how we as a combination link can make best use of limited resources and also make best transportation choices in the Commonwealth where we can move ahead with strategies that will, will have the net gain benefit for both passenger freight rail and as well as highway system congestion and management. To date, we've had about $46 million invested in secured and public benefits. Uh, in 2007, we had a baseline of about 200,000 trucks off of the road. We'll be looking at two to three million trucks off of the road once these projects are all up and running and fully implemented. Market share is an increase of about 8%. Um, now, if we calculate that based on the fact that we're not going to triple trailers in Virginia and we don't have any interstate uh, lane capacities coming online that will alter this challenge growth. As well as Virginia achieves significant public benefits by partnering with rail initiatives through the Rail Enhancement Fund, we also do this through the Rail Preservation Fund and Rail Industrial Access Sidetracks Fund. So I hope that uh, my dialogue this morning has kind of set the pace for what I know you're going to hear uh, of some other innovative freight initiatives that are coming about. And I know that my colleague here from CSX also has a great opportunity, which Virginia will be coming to the table again, to be talking about another successful uh, opportunity as a public-private partnership to develop a transportation corridor in Virginia. Thank you.